Hey everybody, uh, Pastor Kale here. Um, you may remember me from many weeks ago <laughs> on the podcast, and uh, I'm here with Pastor Brandon today, and uh, we're we're dealing with the book of First Thessalonians, and we've resolved to to keep this under half an hour, which will be a, a miracle from God, because yeah. as Pastor Brandon That's pointed right. out, it is two pastors talking. That's right. Yeah, First Thessalonians does talk about the day of the Lord uh, coming, and this may be a Yes, uh, a a sign of that. <laughs> right. To come if if you if you misread chapter five enough, it's probably in there right. somewhere. I thought you were going toward maybe we won't get done before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we are First Thessalonians is what we're looking at this week, and uh, a couple of things in by way of introduction. Uh, this is a pretty interesting book in a lot of ways. Um, one reason it's a pretty interesting book is it, it may be one of the first books written in the New Testament. It depends on kind of how you date the Gospels and um, how you date the book of Galatians as well. Uh, there are those who see that as Paul's first letter. There are those who see that as a little bit later on, and it's pretty compl- complicated as to why. But um, this is certainly one of his earliest letters and one of the earliest letters um, in the New Testament. Uh, if not the first. So you're, you're reading some, some very early Christian literature here, which is pretty cool. Um, it happens probably on Paul's second missionary journey, uh, which uh, if, if we've probably said this at some point in, in uh, dealing with the Pauline epistles, but he, he does sort of four missionary journeys throughout the book of Acts um, around the, the Mediterranean area. And this is on his second. It's a journey that he makes with, with uh, Silas and Timothy. Uh, both of whom are are mentioned here in chapter one, verse one. Uh, Sylvanus is the uh, the word that Paul uses, and that's that's kind of the more formal um, version of Silas, <clears throat> as I understand it. Um, and uh, so he writes this letter in the midst of that missionary journey. Um, Thessalonica is a provincial capital. It's uh, uh, a place where Paul. Um, meets with some success, but then also has a uh, uh, has a bunch of people pretty mad at him by the time he leaves, basically. Um, but the, uh, uh, the, the church in Thessalonica is like any church in the Mediterranean. It's, it's one that's um, sort of on, on shaky feet because it's the beginning of, or at least from a human standpoint, because uh, uh, it's the beginning of the church. It's in a place where there's persecution that's happening, and uh, it's in one of these big metropolitan centers. So there's lots of temptations uh, to all kinds of things around um, around the church in Thessalonica. Uh, some specific issues that it seems like are happening in this book. Is, first of all, um, the the synagogue uh, is where Paul usually starts his ministry. In fact, almost always, if there is a synagogue, uh, and some people get pulled away from the synagogue. Understandably, the leaders of the synagogue aren't a big fan of somebody coming in and preaching and take a bunch of their people away. So uh, they they oppose uh, what's going on, and there's kind of this this unfortunately ongoing campaign against the gospel. Uh, as a result, there's also persecution by the pagan neighbors that they have. Um, there's some misunderstandings about the return of Jesus that Paul kind of clears out in the. Uh, uh, at the end of the the epistle, and and then finally, I think this shouldn't surprise us. There's some tensions within the church. <laughs> Fortunately, that never happens mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. Um, 
so that you know the 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 church in Thessalonica is a specific context and a unique context, but also it's the kind of place that we could see our own churches in uh, pretty often. They deal with a lot of the same issues, uh, at least in one way or another, that we might deal with. Um, so anyway, um, Pastor Brandon, I'll turn it over to you. What do you think? What jumps out to you yeah. in Thessalonians? Yeah. Um, so First Thessalonians is a is actually a, a one of the books that. Uh, has really shaped me into being a pastor. So, hmm. you, if uh, if that if that's a bummer to you, you can uh, thank Thessalonians for part of it. Uh, <laughs> when I was in undergrad at Cornell, Nebraska, I wrote my exegetical thesis on First Thessalonians five. Was wow. the was one of the passages nice. uh, that that it was uh, five one through eleven was was uh, the passage I was assigned and. My uh, professor uh, wrote a note went after as he graded it that uh, basically uh, very kindly said that I should consider becoming a pastor. Yeah. Um, and I ran across that paper. I had I had saved uh, saved the project. I ran across that as I was kind of packing to move to the seminary hmm. five years ago. Um, you know, and and uh, yeah. So it, because of of kind of the time I spent in it what 12 years ago now that uh sophomore year of college but it's a um i think it's it's a really uh it's a helpful book because again knowing that it was probably one of the earlier books helps us to read some of the later writings because it's almost an assumption that whether they knew the letter or they at least knew the teachings Hmm. so i i find first thessalonians is a place i go to a lot uh when Again, thinking about uh, issues of, of the end time, because uh, oftentimes people will jump to Revelation. I think mm. Revelation needs to be read in light of passages that are a lot more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, I think particularly with with uh, that topic of the return of Jesus and um, and the, you know that whole issue can really get us. I mean, we can all sorts of of uh, really kind of sticky spots and uh, you know tough parts of scripture to read first Thessalonians really has helped me to understand all of that versus you know going to Revelation and with a you know a, a whiteboard and trying to map out right, right, well, right, you know, right. Jesus is going to come back on this date mm-hmm. I mean that just happened here a couple weeks ago we had a, a, a prediction that uh, you know, Jesus was coming back on it was uh, I think end of September uh, there was a date that was set and oh. that date came and went and apparently it was because the calculations were wrong and w- when we go to passages like First Thessalonians five it pulls us away from uh, you know from trying to to set a, a timeline on God and instead Thessalonians does a nice job at the end of the letter but even at the beginning of what's the how are we as church supposed to approach living in the the end times right you know because every generation since Jesus has lived in the end times mm-hmm. right you know and, and so how are we supposed to live praying for Jesus to come back but also being faithful to why he hasn't come back yet right because uh, yeah. there's still work that he's doing as you probably heard and this is a worthwhile thing I think for us to talk about but Pastor Brandon said that that every generation since Jesus has has lived in the end times. Uh, that's how the how the Bible talks about the end times. Mm-hmm. You know, the the beginning of Hebrews is in these last days God has spoken to us 
through his son. So mm -hmm. scripturally, everything, as you said, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the ascent, is everything after the Christ event yeah. is, uh, it really is the end times. That's not usually the implication when somebody asks, Pastor, do you think we're living in the end times? Yes. Usually it means, is Jesus coming back next week? Yes. You know, yep. which, so we answer yes, but <laughs> we usually don't mean what people think. Yeah. That question is actually going to come up in our uh, our question and answer box study oh, here, nice. either this week or next week. Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you're listening, the answer is going to be yes, Yeah. but not what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, while we're on that topic, uh, it's probably worthwhile for us to take a look at uh, one of my favorite readings that unfortunately the rapture people kind of ruin, mm -hmm. which is uh, uh, the end of chapter four. Mm -hmm. um, and I read this at committal services all the time. In fact, unless we read it in the funeral, mm -hmm. I usually choose 4.13 through, uh, through 18 as what we read. Um, and, and when you read through Thessalonians, the, the part that usually is the sticking point is uh, verse 16. The... Um, you know, something about, uh, so for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry command, the voice of an archangel, sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Uh, a lot of times that meet the Lord in the air thing is taken as, um, you know, evidence for God is taking his church out of the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and as I read it now, it's interesting that that tends to be a go-to for the rapture since it talks about the resurrection of the dead one verse beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, and typically in the rapture timeline, the resurrection of the dead doesn't happen until much later. But yeah. uh, at any rate, uh, if you've heard rapture talk before, you should know, that, or like we should tell you that that, that's not how we read the book of Revelation. So mm -hmm. uh, our view of the end is very different than people who will talk about uh, we'll talk about a rapture, um, the Left Behind series, if you remember that from the early 2000s, uh, maybe back in the 90s even. Um, that That's very much rapture kind of stuff. And it, it's a misreading of, of these verses. But I, I think the real beauty of these verses is uh, verse 13 where it talks about our grief, you know, how, how do we deal with the idea of death? Um, well, we grieve because death is a bad thing, but we grieve in hope. Um, I, I think I probably said this to you too before, Pastor Brandon, but I always tack on verse 18. Our pastoral oh, yeah. care companion, yeah. for some at, reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. stops at, at yeah. verse 17. And if you're when you're reading through chapter 4, verse uh, the end of chapter 4, Verse 18 says, therefore encourage one another with these words. And I always think, what a better what better thing to say to a committal service where it's a bunch of grieving people together. I don't know why in the world they cut that yeah. off. But Yeah, yeah, th that's one of my favorite themes in, again, in, in Corinthians, mm. or sorry, in Thessalonians, that we, we don't get in most other sections where, where the Bible talks about the end times or even... Uh, I mean, Paul stresses it in some of his letters to the churches, but it's one of the primary roles of the church is to encourage. Yeah. Um, and and it seems like oftentimes that's you know we think you know Barnabas, son of encouragement. Oh, that that's you know that that's the exception. There, right. There's a couple people that are really good encouragers, and mm -hmm. yet 
um, Paul kind of urges, I mean, even the, the first half of the book is really, it's Paul encouraging, uh, hey, we've heard the example of your faith. Uh, keep doing, you know, those things. Yeah, Again, right. the, 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 that, that's part of his role as apostle, um, you know, our role as, as pastors, but all of us as, as Christians to encourage um, one another, uh, to build one another up, um, which is uh, what he again says in verse 11. Uh, you know, and, and uh, so really the, the, this overall, it's a letter of encouragement, which is interesting when you look at some of the themes that are hit, yeah. you know, throughout it, it's, well, can you be encouraging and not always be positive? Apparently. Right. right. Uh, because that that's how, uh, you know, that's how Thessalonians is written. Right. Uh, you know, we, we get Paul encouraging in chapter one, we get his talk about his ministry in two and three, we get Timothy's encouraging report. Yeah. And then four, we get, hey, stop doing these things. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then and then that leads straight into encouragement about, uh, you know, steadfastness in the end times. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. five is, is, again, more encouragement about the day of the Lord. Right. That's interesting. You know, it... it uh, when you think in terms of law gospel, like because that, mm-hmm. that's a lot of times as Lutherans and certainly as Lutheran pastors, that's how we think pretty often. Um, for me, at least, encouragement is not the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it, not, not that it can't be present; it can and should. Yeah, that, that that's pretty interesting because you're right. The book definitely centers around that. When we get to the the takeaways. Uh, that was definitely something that pulled out, mm-hmm. pulled out from me the idea that we're in relationship uh, here yeah. in church, you yeah. know. Yeah, and that our 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 faith leads us to leads us to action, and and sometimes we we get kind of lost into what that is. Like, oh, I I want to do something. I don't know what yeah you know, what it is, and and I I think encouragement rarely ends up on that list. It's like I can right. pray for them. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I, if I can give them a call or take them a meal, you know. They, but we have a kind of a, a narrow list of, all right, what right. can I do to, to be involved in church? What can I do to help right. you know, others? Is Well, I mean, yeah, the, there's official kind of roles that you can serve. But, uh, you know, we don't have a, you know, director of encouragement. It, right, you know, yeah. And yet, that's that's part of what we're, you know, what we're called to do is, you know, in our is a way that we serve at the church is we encourage one another. Right. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. I think a lot of us look at encouragement as, yeah, that's great, but I want to do something yeah, real, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, but it, it, you know, if you've ever been, uh, I don't know. It really, I'm trying to think of a number of different contexts, but. So we I ran a couple races over sabbatical, and like, there's people along the race course that I don't know them. I'm never gonna meet them again. Mm-hmm. But if I if I'm really struggling, having somebody there and just you know saying your sort of random cliche, oh looking good, go yeah. something like that, like that really is pretty helpful. Yeah, as much as we think it it may not be, and that doesn't have the gospel behind it, whereas yeah. Christian encouragement does. Yeah, we're, we're just uh, thinking about uh, you know coaching cross country, for example. Yeah. Uh, there's not too much instruction. <laughs> right. In in it's run, and, and then keep going. <laughs> run for really like 
whereas other, you know, coaching volleyball, you have to teach. All right, here's Holly, all the I different. don't agree with this at all. <laughs> here's all the different. So <laughs> what's what what's the role of a? It's really it it's to encourage. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and and that that's where an aspect and like a. a a coach, I mean, the higher up you get, the less you need to teach about the fundamentals yeah, of the right. game, the more you just need to encourage, hey, you guys know this stuff. And, and so, you know, do, don't second guess, uh, you know, the, am I right? No, no, keep keep doing what you've been doing. Right. And and that we, we, we tend to discount, oh, that's not really, that's mm-hmm. not really coaching, you know. Well, right. I mean, what is a, you know, an Olympic coach, what do they do? They're encouraging, and that's part of, I mean, yeah. what their job is absolutely and, you know that that that's a really good thing and mm-hmm. and yeah there's times where it, it's teaching but um you know by and large what you know as we kind of grow and, and mature we may need at times less instruction mm-hmm. um but we never need less less encouragement because we end yeah. up second guessing um, well, I, do I do I do I really need to keep doing this? Right. Is, it, is this worth it? Like that's where I think, you know, encouragement comes in. And so so, so yes, to bring it full circle to cross country, that is a valuable, you know, <laughs> even if you're like, oh, I can do that. Right. It, you know, th- there's a whole aspect of, of uh, of uh, the depth of of you know encouraging as as part of. Uh, you know, part of coaching and leading yeah. that, uh, is super important. Mm-hmm. For sure. Boy, you know, sorry, my son runs cross country. And so, like, pulling onto that example, I had somebody say to me once, I, I, I've noticed this, that the cool thing about cross country meets is everybody cheers for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one team against the other. It's just there's all these kids and they're out running and whenever they come by, we ring our cowbells or whatever it is. I don't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of ways, that's kind of what the church is supposed to look yeah. like, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is part of the reason why Paul gets so upset about divisions in the church. Yeah, you know, he's, right. He's like, like, guys, we're running the same race. Yeah. We're going the same direction. Yep. You know, and so if, if someone's struggling... You know, come alongside them mm-hmm. and and hey, let's let's keep going. Yeah. And yep. It's like no, I want to finish first. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How does that help in you know anyone? And yeah. You know and yes, this is where uh, there are times where we read through Paul's letters and you're like yeah, that's like Galatians. That's kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Nah, he's actually being you know <laughs> being pretty gentle. Yeah. By right. and large. Yes. Right. <laughs> One thing I noticed, yeah, this kind of shifts gears, but, uh, okay, two things. You said, uh, you know, when somebody's struggling, come alongside them. And again, just to commend our cross-country kids again, uh, sorry, don't mean to belabor this, but one thing that, that's really cool, and, and uh, Holly Ruprecht, our coach, shared this in chapel once, uh, that... Uh, towards the end of the race, what tends to happen is the kids who are already finished, uh, if there's somebody who's who's still running, uh, they'll go back and run mm-hmm. the last hundred yards or so with the with the person who's coming in. It's very encouraging, really cool to watch. So, um, yeah, good analogy for the church. Uh, the other the other thing, just to kind of note here, and then we'll we'll probably uh, start kind of kind of wrapping up here. Uh, but the other thing to note is um, 527, the second to last verse in the gospel. Uh, 
So remember, Paul sends this letter, and he says, but I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, uh, which kind of seems like a strange thing to say, but it, it does give us a little bit of insight as to how these epistles were viewed. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of like what we do with our sermons now in that we record them and we put them on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> in that, uh, obviously, it's it's... It's no full substitute for being there, you mm-hmm. know, for being in the in church or anything like that. Uh, but these letters were seen as sort of uh, a sermon in absentia. So mm-hmm. Paul wasn't able to be there, so he writes this letter, and uh, it really is supposed to carry the weight of Paul's authority, even though mm-hmm. he's not sitting across the table for the Thessalonians. That's one thing. And, and then the other thing is to notice how important the the idea of orality was. Uh, in these letters, in other words, they're they're made to be read out loud. They're not made for us to um, kind of do what we do now, which is sit down with the Bible and flip the pages and read them through start to finish. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the design by Paul was that these would be th- these would be heard and uh, and read aloud and sort of digested, kind of all in one sitting, uh, especially a shorter one like First Thessalonians. Um, and so, you know, hopefully you enjoyed doing that or you enjoy doing that after you've listened to the podcast here and you know I encourage you try reading it out loud see what happens as you uh, as you go through it or if you've got uh, I think it's bible.is is an app on the iPhone and it's uh, uh, it's the audiobook Bible and it's free mm. so you can uh, you can you can just listen to it if you want to I encourage you to give that a try the the, the Bible app the, the U version the oh the yeah main one has they now have a Depending on which translation you're using, they have a you just press play and it'll nice an audio version. Audio, yeah, uh, read it. That's pretty cool. I've done that in the car uh, from time to time. Um, I've actually done it for First Thessalonians, and I'd like to say it was for spiritual purposes, but it was because uh, I had to know the whole book for my Greek exam, (laughs) (laughs) and listening to it in English a bunch of times makes it easier to translate. Yep. Yep. Uh, Anyway, let's take a look at, at now that you know how I passed my Greek exams. Hey, but you passed. Uh, exactly, exactly. P stands for pastor. Right. Um, there, just a couple takeaways from the, the book of I First I should have said you put the pass and pass. Come on. <laughs> waiting right there for me. We'll edit it out later and act like you did oh, that yeah, first. Because yeah. <laughs> we do a lot of editing on these. Um. A couple takeaways. First of all, uh, we touched on this already, but being in the church means an ongoing relationship uh, with the people around you. And it's not just the people around you, but it's the people who are in the church across the street, across the nation, across the world. Um, And in fact, it's the people on the other side of death as well. And that's what we we see in 1 Thessalonians 4, that... Um, we and those who are fall- who have fallen asleep are both part of the same church. We're both going to be in the same resurrection on the last day, um, which is you know very comforting thing when we know um, when we know there's there's an end to the separation that we have right now. Uh, the second thing is <laughs> there are, that I really pull out of First Thessalonians is that being in the church isn't always easy. In fact, it's sometimes very difficult. Uh, there's a lot in chapter 3 especially, and we, we didn't touch on this much here because I'm going to preach on some of this this weekend, uh, about 
temptations to fall away about satanic influence in our lives and, and uh, uh, Satan throwing up roadblocks uh, for us and for our faith. Uh, and Paul's pretty straightforward about that, that, that being in the church, being a Christian, is not always an easy thing. Uh, but one thing that helps is the responsibility that we have for each other. And that's that's kind of number three as far as, as uh, um, things to take away from here. Uh, I- interestingly, and this, I don't know if this was in your exegetical passages or, or not, Pastor Brandon, but... Um, in 12 through 14, I guess you probably would have stopped right before there. Yep, yep. Yeah, 12 through 14, uh, the, Paul says uh, in 12, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So that, that's that's kind of a, a probably a clergy thing. But if you read a little farther in, in 14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Uh, in other words, it's not just hey, listen to what your pastor says, but rather it's uh, the, the clergy has a responsibility for, for us, but we also have a responsibility for everybody else too. Mm-hmm. It's not just, uh, oh, it's the pastor's job to whatever, you know, uh, preach the gospel or, or uh, admonish somebody or something like that. No, we're, we're, we're all on the same team. We're all moving in the same direction, and we all have responsibility for one another. Uh, the Old Testament reading this weekend is going to be, it's the Cain and Abel story. And Abel's, uh, or sorry, Cain's question to God is always haunting, especially in light of these verses. His question to God, of course, is, am I my brother's keeper? Mm-hmm. And the answer of First Thessalonians is, yeah, you sure are. Um, so last but not least then, uh, as people who live in community in the church and who have responsibility for, for one another, uh, Paul says that we don't just imitate God, we imitate each other as well. Uh, and that's that's toward the beginning. It's in chapter 1. Uh, that, that uh, I think, does two things. One, it reminds me what a gift it is to have the Christians around me uh, as people that I can also look to and imitate and... and um, you know, see a reflection of God in. And it also reminds me that uh, I should strive to be someone who is imitatable in my life, who who um, can be a reflection of God to the people around me in the church. So anyway, everybody, that's First Thessalonians. It's a nice short, short book for this weekend. And uh, um, yeah, hope you enjoy it. See you next time.